Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to the Library Science Channel on the New Books Network. My name is Jen Hoyer, and today I'm joined by Bianca Vianni-Battista and Isabel Fletcher, editors of Foundations of Interdisciplinary and Transdisciplinary Research, published by Bristol University Press in 2023. Foundations of Interdisciplinary and Transdisciplinary Research is a reader that has been designed to lower the barriers to interdisciplinarity and transdisciplinarity in research. It paves the way for future scholarship and effective research collaborations across disciplines and offers extracts from key academic texts on topics like design, funding, evaluation, and communication of research, providing those new to the field with a really thorough grounding. Isabel Fletcher is an interdisciplinary social scientist based at the University of Edinburgh's Global Academy of Agriculture and Food Systems in the Science, Technology, and Innovation Studies group. And Bianca Vianni-Battista is group leader of cultural studies and science and lecturer, cultural studies and science and lecturer at the transdisciplinary lab of the Department of Environmental Systems Science at ETH Zurich. Isabel and Bianca, welcome to New Books Network. Thank you. Thank you. Um, And before we get started, I would love if you could each share a little bit more about yourselves where you grew up and completed your studies and what your background is with interdisciplinary research. Um, and Isabel, do you wanna go first? Okay, so I'm a social scientist and um, I did an undergraduate degree with the Open University while I was working and part-time and then returned to postgraduate education and did all my postgraduate training at the University of Edinburgh where I now work. Um, I, um, I have a couple of interests. So one of the things that most interests me is the history of nutrition science and how it's changed how we think about diet and health, mostly in the 20th century. But I, and also I'm interested in how interdisciplinary transdisciplinary research is used to address problems within the global food system. Um, So things like how we think about food security or um, how we think about the um, diet-related ill health, things like that, how different disciplines think about that and how that research feeds into public policy. Um, and so I would say I've always been interested in interdisciplinary topics, um, but until recently, until working on the, the Shape ID project that we're going to talk about in a minute, I would not really I've labeled myself an integer transdisciplinary researcher. Um, we can we can talk about that further if you're interested. Bianca? Uh, hello, everybody. Yes, my name is Bianca Vini-Baptista, and I was trained in Spain, and I did a PhD in cultural studies. Uh, my background is as an anthropologist, but very early on in my career, I was very interested in interdisciplinary and transdisciplinary research and uh, what this means, what this uh, co-production <laughs> settings imply. And so from my PhD onwards, I dedicated um, my research topics to analyze inter- and transdisciplinary settings in research and teaching. 
um, basically always trying to breach uh, anthropology of science with uh, science and technology studies, STS. Uh, from there, I also, yes, have uh, have did postdoc in Germany and then uh, landed here in Switzerland, um, where now, as you said, I'm group leader. And in my group, we are basically doing these two things. Uh, on one side, we are designing transdisciplinary research uh, plans, like working very heavily with the stakeholders in complex problems, as Isabel was saying, for instance, food or energy. But also we are investigating how interdisciplinary and transdisciplinary research are being done in different settings, taking these as objects of research. And that's how I think uh, I ended up in the Shape ID project and also uh, yeah, putting together, editing this um, this reader with um, also with Isabel, but we should also mention uh, Professor Professor Catherine Lyell from University of Edinburgh, who has also a very active role and a very important role in yeah in putting together this book and the idea of this book. I think uh, she was um, our uh, mentor in a sense to to to. Yeah, to follow this path uh, uh, in yeah in editing the book. Fantastic, thank you. And um, so you you've both now mentioned the Shape ID project, and in the introduction to the book, you uh, shared that it grew out. This book grew out of the Shape ID project. So, could you share with listeners about that project, about the Shape ID consortium, and how the ideas generated in that space fed into this book? Shall I? start and then Bianca you can pick up and um, cover what I missed. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it, the project's title is Shaping Interdisciplinary Practices in Europe, shortened to Shape ID. Um, it was a Horizon 2020 funded project that ran from 2019 to 2021. And the basic aim of Shape ID was to understand and promote best practice in inter- and transdisciplinary research with a particular focus on collaborations between researchers in the arts, humanities and social sciences and those in science, technology, engineering, medicine. Um, our consortium came from six countries. So the PI was Professor Jane Olmeyer at Trinity College Dublin and the project was run for Trinity College Dublin. But we also have members from from Italy, from Switzerland, from Poland, from the Netherlands. Have I forgotten anywhere, Bianca? No. Oh, and the UK. Mm -hmm. Us. Um, and what to say? We had we, there were two there were two key outputs of the project that I think are relevant to this conversation and, and kind of explain where the reader came from. One was we did a literature review and out of that literature review came an annotated bibliography of key readings in inter- and transdisciplinary research that Bianca produced. And then we also produced an online toolkit. And both of those fed directly, both in terms of content and structure into the reader. Um, what by mistake, Bianca? Yeah, I mean, for me, the, the Shape ID project was um, a very, very important, at least in my career, basically because of the connection with the funding and policy sector. So from the very beginning, uh, our coordinator, our PI, as Isabel said, in, in Trinity, uh, in Trinity um, she 
or, or the team there was very interested in trying to address this gap that now interdisciplinary research is everywhere. It's sometimes a buzzword. A lot of founders are using this word, but we still find that arts, humanities, and social sciences, for instance, uh, are still very um, not well represented when we want to build these collaborative settings. And so uh, the Shape ID Consortium and the project was from the very beginning, very much looking forward to addressing this gap, to working towards, um, as Isabel said, best practices in interdisciplinary work, in how we elaborate these collaborations. And not even for people uh, who are new to the field of interdisciplinary research, but also for students and also for those more senior researchers who they might have been involved in several collaborations and then they wonder, okay, I'm really failing. I really don't know where to go when I need to get uh, help or support to improve the way I'm integrating these different perspectives, right? Um, so indeed, the, the Shape ID was basically trying to address funding and policy to really transform uh, this, um, this aspect to really foster better, more substantial inter- and transdisciplinary research. And yeah, and one of the main outputs, as Isabel said, was this toolkit that probably we mentioned in a few minutes. Um, yeah, definitely. One of the things that comes up is um, that this book reflects the, the goals included in that toolkit. Um, and so I was wondering if you could actually then speak more about that toolkit and the nine goals presented there, uh, which I think then fostered some sections in the book. So, you know, what kinds of themes and goals can readers expect to find in the book? So we structured, we tried to make the toolkit practical. Um, it's an online portal that guides um, a range of users researchers, research institutions, funders, and research partners, by which we mean people out with academia who, who might want to be involved in research. Um, those are our kind of key stakeholder groups. And we, we wanted to guide them towards existing resources because we were, we were aware that there's a lot of material out already produced in the world. Um, and so th this is Catherine Lyle's mantra we didn't want to reinvent the wheel uh, we did write some new material for the toolkit but a lot of it is just trying to um, guide people to things that we think are useful existing resources um, and part of the reason we need to do this is because a lot these resources are produced by quite disparate communities there are a lot of groups doing inter and transdisciplinary research not always under those names and the links between them aren't always great. So they don't often talk to each other. So people who do team science don't necessarily talk to people who do transdisciplinary research, even though they may have practices and issues in common. So we're trying to, it's a kind of curation process, I think. Mm -hmm. And the nine goals you talked about mirror the stages of the research process. So we start at the beginning with understanding inter-transdisciplinary research and then go into co-designing a piece of research and assembling a research team, applying for funding and communicating the research findings. 
Plus, there are other more longer term goals for individual researchers, such as developing research skills and building a career in inter and transdisciplinary research. And the final few are made up of activities that are done more by institutions than individual researchers. So evaluating research and supporting um, researchers. And it's designed to be kind of practical and each goal is fairly standalone. We do cross-reference, but it means if, um, if you know that you're interested in say evaluating interdisciplinary research, you can go to that section and find very specific resources, but we've also tried to make it quite easy to browse. So if you're a, a total beginner, you can get a sense of what's out there. Um, I think, Bianca, what? That's fine. <laughs> You'll let me off with that. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe, maybe Bianca, you can um, speak more to the process then of, of putting together the reader. I really like, Isabel, that you used the term curating for the toolkit, because I think that actually describes a lot of the work you did for the reader as well. And the really careful cur curation work you did is obvious um, when looking through the material. So I'm interested in how you selected the readings to include. And aside from the content themes that you pulled from the toolkit, what other characteristics did you try to represent in the selection of readings? Um, and then part of that work also, if you're interested in talking about it, I don't know, um, is the work of getting copyright clearance for those readings. I know that that's a lot of work. We don't don't often talk about that. And so I'm curious, you know, what um, what you had to do for that if you ran into problems when finding things you wanted to include that maybe you couldn't for copyright reasons. Yeah, thank you for, for that question, uh, Jen. Um, yeah, so the, the first one of the first tasks we did within the Shape ID project together with Isabel and other colleagues in Poland and um, um, in the Netherlands was to to uh, design and also to conduct a, an extensive literature review like it took like uh, <laughs> I don't know almost uh, two years one year and a half two years um, of the project because we wanted to really grasp all these different understandings all the cases all the different um, challenges and dimensions that um, inter and transdisciplinary research have and as Isabel said already these are this literature is quite dispersed. We ourselves working too much in this uh, in this field. We know that we really need to to dig in into different journals and different uh, resources to find it. And so then we we had a very rich uh, database, a very very rich output. That by the way, all this is also open access. So those uh, of uh, of you who are listening to this podcast and would like to go into that <laughs> huge database, everything is shared in our Shape ID website. And after that work, we realized that that was massive, that nobody will go back again to that, that again and again, when we propose this type of projects, we go again and do a literature review, right? And that was a lot of need and demand from different uh, uh, colleagues to have kind of as, as the title of our book says, a kind of a reader, a kind of a curated 
entry point to the topic of inter and transdisciplinary research. That doesn't mean that people need to yeah, go and search again from the huge literature. And that's what a bit of the inspiration for, for this book began. Um, so the selection for the readers was based in, I could say, in different, um, but done by different means. Like one was this massive literature review, but also among all uh, the partners working in this project, we had, of course, as practitioners of inter- and transdisciplinary research, our own favorite <laughs> uh, readings, because these are the most useful also because of the networks we participate in. Uh, we had, we've been involved in many discussions because the Shape ID were, um, the Shape ID project had several workshops and also we had the opportunity to check which were also for different types of readers that the, the readings or the papers were more important or more useful. And so from all that, we started selecting and organizing them through the, as you said, the nine topics that the, that we have already used uh, for the um, toolkit. And how was the copyright clearance? That was a huge adventure, yes. We worked with Bristol, um, as you said, University Press, which was really a great team. I think that we could not have made it, uh, make it without them because they were very, really patient and uh, also very, very supportive of this project uh, because it is indeed a special project when you go to a publisher and you say, okay, it's not that I'm going to write nine chapters, I'm going to curate. <laughs> I need to get copyright clearance and then each of the chapters is also accompanied by a commentary by experts uh, in inter- and transdisciplinary research from people more having um, experience in research, others in teaching, others in leading um, inter- and transdisciplinarity. And so, yeah, uh, Bristol was very supportive, but the process was very long and we had to get one by one and... There were changes in the middle because, yeah, we couldn't get some of the initial readings we wanted to have, but I think it's worth it. And one last word on this. It's a reader that I would say it's not only useful for newcomers to the, to the field, people who are students or people who do not have experience in inter- and transdisciplinary research, but rather for those who have a bit of experience, but nevertheless want to have the basics, right? The foundations in one book. And sometimes that's very useful when you have a diverse team of, of partners and you really need to, okay, as Isabel was saying, we really need to agree on an understanding. What do we understand by interdisciplinarity? Okay, maybe the reader is a good pathway to, to sort out um, which is the best definition for that project. So I would say it has different um, target audiences as well, hopefully. And of course, as I said, yeah, ready for students. I hope that this would be an interesting material or resource, right? To help them navigate all this diversity and heterogeneity of, uh, sort of resources that we have. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it will be great for students, but for myself as a librarian, when librarians collaborate with other faculty outside the library, then it is interdisciplinary research. So it's something we're used to, but I felt like because you curated the selection so carefully and then often just included an excerpt. So it's not even like a whole long chapter. It's just like the excerpt that's that's useful. And I thought this would be so valuable when starting another inter interdisciplinary project to just say, let's pick one reading. And so it's not going to be very long. It's something we can just read and discuss at our first meeting to like set a foundation for how we're understanding things related to this topic. And so I saw a lot of real mm -hmm. usefulness. Um, it was kind of exciting to think how that could shape future Thank collaboration. You. Mm -hmm. um, you also mentioned the commentary. So to explain to listeners who haven't looked at the reader yet, um, each chapter, each kind of topic-based chapter has an introduction from the editors um, and then a selection of readings and then a commentary provided by inviting contributors. And so this also was a really interesting addition. I thought it, um, it added a lot of other voices and other perspectives on the readings and kind of like starts this discussion of the reading. So what did you hope these commentaries would add and how did they build out the project as a whole, maybe even in ways you didn't anticipate? So, um, yeah, the, we wanted not only to offer the excerpts, as you said, the extracts of the papers, we wanted also to begin kind of a dialogue. And for that, we thought, okay, we need the real voices of people practicing, conducting, and even supporting inter- and transdisciplinary research. And what we did was we asked them to read the extracts and to give a commentary based on their own experience and even assess if the extract of that of that reading was useful or not for their own experience and in that way this was kind of a conversation you know because then the readings um the curated uh readings are not alone out in the void but rather they are founded they are again substantiated in the experience of people of colleagues who are already sometimes facing these challenges of embarking themselves in inter and transdisciplinary collaborations and so for that we again um, thought of who might be interesting to read in terms of each of the topics that the book um, addresses and you can find uh, commentaries by early career researchers, as Isabel said, as researchers, as herself, who do not feel at, up to certain moment of their careers that they are interdisciplinary per se, but they are addressing interdisciplinary problems. You also have um, comments from very experienced senior transdisciplinary researchers as Christian Paul in ETH, or even Catherine Lyell, who is already a professor. And also from uh, people working more on the other side, like people supporting interdisciplinary writing and processes. Uh, we, we are very lucky to have um, colleagues from Trinity also being a financial officer and project manager or program officer in interdisciplinary programs to giving their own voice to these extracts, which is not something that you usually get in a book. But in a sense, we, yeah, the idea was exactly to build this conversation and to 
show to the reader that there are challenges, but there's also a lot of joy in collaborating and addressing these topics and how much we can still learn from each other, right? So, um, and the interesting thing is that they do not always agree with us on which were the most interesting extracts. So I think that's also something we wanted to, to put on the table, right? This is our curated selection, but then you can see it from another perspective. And again, that was a, a good exercise. And those differences are, yeah, are there as well. Thank you. Isabel, I don't know if you want to add anything about um, things that stood out to you with those commentaries or... I um I mostly wanted to would echo what Bianca said, but I think I think they add richness. They make it um you know, they illustrate the kind of the using of the ideas and the processes and the developing of them. So I think one of the things I really like is it shows how the field has developed and is continuing to develop. Um mm -hmm. quite a lot of them are front forward facing. I mean particularly the early career researcher ones, but not just them. So I, and I think that adds richness to the book. I like, I very much like, um, I mean, I thought it was a good idea because I like the idea of it being a conversation and bringing in more voices than is normal in an edited collection. And I think it, it kind of exceeded my expectations with the commentaries. Yeah, I thought that they were a really, really neat addition. Um, so how then do you hope that this book will inspire new trends and develop new behaviors um, in the field of interdisciplinary research? I'm thinking, for example, of how chapter three on co-creating research projects looks at examples and strategies for integrating a team, or chapter five has recommendations for evaluating interdisciplinary research. What kinds of best practices do you hope to promote within the field? So um, I'll start, maybe Bianca can take over when I... I've had my say. Um, I think, as Bianca said, often inter and transdisciplinarity is used as are used as buzzwords. Um, so funders are very keen on interdisciplinary research. It's seen as both are seen as ways of addressing big societal challenges in the EU's language. But um, I think there's a lack of an awareness within research institutions and within funders about the difference between inter and transdisciplinary research and disciplinary research um and and also a lack of the kind of skills that are needed to do what needed to do it well and the support specific kinds of support needed so i'll give a couple examples inter and transdisciplinary research tends to take time to develop it, you need to build relationships the networks and Often um, seed corn funding can be helpful for that. It, this kind of research tends to be more complex. So you need kind of specialist skills in communication and project management, and that needs to be built into funding. But it also means that the actual research process takes longer. Um, and finally, um, it needs evaluating differently because you need evaluators who understand these kind of the, the specific skills that are required. And are, are kind of capable of assessing whether they're present in a research proposal. And I think, so I think what I'm saying is that we need more awareness, not so much on the behalf of researchers, the people who are doing the research, but on behalf of those who are funding it and supporting those researchers. And that's the kind of um, behavior change that I would like to see. Mm -hmm. Bianca. 
Do you have anything to add to? Yeah, I would say that from my perspective, um, I agree with what Isabel said. I was also from my idea I was or my motivation for um, working so hard on the reader was also to offer an entry point. Like the reader will not answer all the questions uh, the reader uh, or any reader will have on inter-transdisciplinary research, not at all. That was not the aim, but rather it's again an entry point, a way of starting reflecting or finding a pathway through the different uh, resources and the different uh, perspectives on the topic. And perhaps I would be very happy if this reader, this book inspires um, the reader, whoever that is, as I said, a student or a more senior researcher to really yeah, embark him or herself into, into inter or transdisciplinary research. Because I think as Isabel said, yes, now it's a long way and of being used as buzzwords. And so sometimes we really lose our motivation to collaborate, I think, because yes, um, we are facing a lot of different crises and different uh, challenges. And so there's not usually space for this, but um, yeah, the book tries in a sense to inspire again, to motivate, to encourage also. It can be a tool, as I said, for students, which we know that early careers um, facing inter or transdisciplinary programs are usually a bit of alone or they lose their, their, <laughs> um, their way at some point. And hopefully it's also, yeah, the first entry point um, that motivates other books and other editions volumes to to be more to go in depth in the future into the topics we are yeah touching upon in this first reader yeah and thinking about what this reader might inspire um i was curious and i think that maybe there was mention of this in one or two places in the book i was curious about like the process well of compiling your huge annotated bibliography and then working on this reader, um, what gaps in the literature became obvious and how do you think scholars could do work in those areas? What areas of research do you hope that this project might inspire? Mm -hmm. um, I, I would say that the, the, the first one is what we have already mentioned is that there is there's, it is very difficult for a newcomer to the field to find an entry point, to understand, okay, I'm. what should I read first? Where should I go if I want to understand uh, how to co-design a project? Or how do I, what is at the end the relevance of inter- and transdisciplinary research for policymaking? So these are really big questions that, as I said, we cannot be, they cannot be answered in full in the reader, but at least it's, a way of, okay, you can start <laughs> uh, reading this chapter, you have a commentary, you have kind of extracts, something that we didn't, didn't say is all the chapters also have a further reading list. So many, many other uh, papers or important resources that we found in relation to the topic of each of the chapters, it's also listed at the end of the chapter. So it's not only that you read the three or four extracts per chapter, but then if you want to learn more, then you also have a list at the end of the chapter to go deep into some of these topics. And so I think it's, yeah, just use it as an entry point. Also, um, for those who are more senior in the field, use it to perhaps 
learn about papers and books that you did not read yet. And as they are curated, organized in a certain way, if you read the whole book, you also have like kind of a pathway through the field that maybe you have not yet thought about, right? Because you are much more, I don't know, in sustainability and you have not read so much in how social sciences um, uh, collaborate with natural sciences. And then you have two papers, two extracts in the book that might give you a new perspective on that. So I would say it's it's all these things together, but basically, yeah, where could, you, could I start? Well, in any discipline, you have a handbook, you have a reader, this is the one we humbly, humbly uh, offer to inter and transdisciplinary people. Thank you. Isabel, I don't know if there's anything you would add to that in terms of um, things that I stood think, out. Yeah. When we were developing the toolkit, one of the things we noticed was there's a lot of work by academics on why they would collaborate with those outside academia. But there isn't and we're academics, we were searching academic literature, so this is partly why. But what we what we didn't find was a lot of material on why those potential research partners would collaborate with us. So the other side of the, the research, the, the transdisciplinary research equation. And I think that's something I, I it may it may be there is a literature out there. Um, there is some stuff in development studies, for example. Um, there may be other literatures in patient, patient and public, patient public interaction or participation in health science that we don't know about. But I think there's probably that there's there's more. That's a gap, and there's more that needs to be done. Maybe not research in there, but synthesis in there, bringing together what does exist already. Because I'm sure people who take part in research write it up and report on it. They will have to do it for funders. But as academics, we couldn't find much written by those partners. Yeah, maybe this can be a starting point for like finding what's out there. Um, well, just to wrap up, I was really curious if you're willing to share how you personally grew and learned while working on this project and how it helped you in your interdisciplinary and transdisciplinary collaborations. Uh, Isabel, I don't know if you want to go first on that. Um, I learned a lot. I was introduced to whole sets of literatures that I didn't know about previously. As I, I said earlier, I didn't, I, I, I knew I was interested in interdisciplinary topics, but I didn't really label myself an interdisciplinary researcher and I had never heard the, the the term transdisciplinary before I started working on this project. Um, so for me it was a, it was an introduction to lots of new ideas um, about how to do research um, and I carried it on these ideas on and the next bit of research I did was unrelated to anything else I'd done before. well empirically unrelated to anything else I'd done before it was about the development of the Scottish COVID 19 wastewater testing program and I carried a lot of the ideas that we've been working on in Shape ID into that research. Um, it also introduced me to um, new colleagues and I still collaborate with Bianca and we're friends and that's that's been a great thing that's come out of the project. That's fantastic. Thank you. Bianca. Um... Yes, indeed. I was going to say first that, that it's been a great pleasure to work 
um, not only in the project, but in terms of the book, um, working with Isabel and Catherine has been already a, a very cool experience. In terms of what I personally learned, I mean, for me, um, I come, as I said, from, from humanities. I'm an anthropologist, uh, but I do work in the Department of Environmental System Science. So I do work with a lot of natural scientists who are not usually very interested in books but rather in scientific papers, right? And yeah, and for me, this type of projects is still being able to edit a project, to curate a selection, to, as I said, to have this dialogue or conversation with the contributing authors from the commentaries. Um, for me, was indeed a very um, fruitful learning experience because it means that the field is moving forward, um, we are consolidating a lot of knowledge, as Isabel said, that is dispersed and sometimes fragmented. But those of us who are really committed to inter- and transdisciplinary research and teaching, um, we, we already have a lot of scholarship done. Maybe not myself, but the senior ones uh, have a lot of uh, scholarship, a lot of um, already principles, theories, concepts, and even methods that have been developed in the last 15, 20 years, even more. And I think that this type of book, um, I would be very happy if it helps others in the academic context and sometimes in the administrative context to learn a bit more about inter- and transdisciplinarity, about the not only the challenges, but about this scholarship, meaning that there's a lot that has been done. And it because we don't have, as in a discipline, only a couple of journals where we can publish, but rather we are publishing in many different things, attending many different complex problems. This does not mean that we don't have rigorous uh, knowledge, methods, and theories to conduct this type of collaborations. And I think that's important in terms of thinking or when revising, looking at the different extracts, you can see, wow, there's so much being done. And I hope that the book also gives that possibility. For me, it was a bit of putting myself into dialogue with all these authors as well, in selecting, in curating, in thinking about what might make sense for people um, not in touch with this literature. But it also means that we are putting in value all this, uh, already all this knowledge, as I said, in inter- and transdisciplinarity. And I hope that this will be enlarged that, I don't know, next year or in two years, uh, other colleagues will uh, publish another reader, updated reader, or more, I don't know, a handbook or whatever, uh, yeah, to, to put this uh, knowledge into value, to give visibility to the work we are doing. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like you gave so much visibility to the rich, rich work that has been done and can be built on um, in interdisciplinary and transdisciplinary work. Uh, well, Bianca and Isabel, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Once again, I've been speaking with Bianca Vianney Baptista and Isabel Fletcher, two of the editors of Foundations of Interdisciplinary and Transdisciplinary Research, published by Bristol University Press. My name is Jen Hoyer, and you are listening to the Library Science Channel on New Books Network.